Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, everybody. Welcome to The Curtain Call. My name is Shane Kubis, contributor to Still Curtain. And joining me as always is my co-host for this show, at least, uh, Tommy Shagai, editor of The Still Curtain. We're talking about a big win for the Steelers this past week on Thursday night against the Titans. Uh game that they normally win this way that again this is an ugly win and we're going to talk a lot about that what that means for this team some of the things that happened during it uh, some unfortunate things and some positive things we'll talk about that but uh tommy how you doing today i'm doing well uh coming off of this win i don't know how we should be feeling about the steelers at this point we'll but we'll get it. there yeah that's that's the thing is we can't even really feel good about this team when we win games, Tommy. And that's that's the thing that really gets me is every week we come on, we talk about the team, and it kind of just feels like we're repeating ourselves a lot of the time, which unfortunately with, with the Steelers is kind of what we've gotten used to the past couple of years with the offense coordinator issues and the offense issues in general and all that stuff. We'll get into that you know this week as well. But uh, let's talk again. Steelers win ugly yet again. Uh, when will this team win in dominant fashion? That's kind of the question that's been swirling in my head for the past couple of years is, you know, when is this team going to just go either whether it's on the road or preferably at home and just beat down a team that they're better than and just kind of set the record straight that they, this team can win in dominant fashion? I just don't know when we'll see it. I mean, will we see it this year? You, you hope so. Obviously, there's a lot of games left to do that. We have a game coming up that we'll talk about more on the uh, Still Curtain show that we do on Wednesdays, the Packers coming up. But do you think this is going to happen anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, we're at this point, Shane, we can start counting in years. Essentially, yeah, it's, for it's, the last yeah. time we've seen these dominant performances, like the Steelers yeah. are that one team in the league that cannot come into a game and blow teams out. And I think part of it has to do with personnel and execution. The other part has to do with your philosophy, right? When, yes. when your philosophy is I'm going to try to win 17 to 13 type games, play good defense, run the football effectively and come away with a win. I mean, that model works for the regular season. It's proven for the regular season, at least because it gets the Steelers into the playoffs. And at the very least it gets them at that 500 or above record. I just don't think that it's the right philosophy for lasting success. And there, I, again, there's so many things that we can point to. I do think that it starts at the top because when your goal, Shane, is to try to say, I'm going to play mistake-free football and just not turn the ball over. That's not enough. That's not enough in today's league. And you're watching a team like Miami go out there and score like 36 points a game. You have to do be able to do more than just say, I'm going to take care of the football and that's going to be enough to get us the win. Now, the stats show that when the Steelers do take care of the football – they win more often than not, and Pickett has a good record when that's the case, but it comes on the backs of the defense. It's not because the offense is carrying the team. It's because, yeah, you're playing mistake-free football, and you're doing just enough to squeak by these wins. It's why the Steelers have a negative point differential, minus 30 on the season, and we're only eight games through. I mean, they're so I mean, we're on the pace for like a minus 65 points uh, point differential 
on the entire year. And the Steelers were already 24th in that department. Like the collection of their stats show that they're not a good team. And so they're getting the wins. They're five and three, but they're 29th in points per game, 29th in yards and 31st and even opponent points allowed. And so the collection of their stats, there's nothing to suggest this is a good team right now. Uh, but they're finding ways to win the football games. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And that's kind of the issue. Is it's really hard to have conversations with other Steelers fans or NFL fans or you know people who are, especially, I don't want to say it's bad to be a casual fan because obviously be a fan in whatever way you want to be a fan. If you want to say yeah. the Steelers are the best team in the NFL every week, that do that it's whatever but i think people who genuinely want to understand the sport and just have a hard time with it it's really hard to tell someone that oh a team that's five and three is a bad football team but mm-hmm. you have to be able to look past the record sometimes in terms of like forecasting future success not only the season but moving forward they are very very lucky and i say lucky because i think it's fair to say to be five and three and a lot of it is coaching. A lot of it is the way that they go about things. It's the mentality. It's the toughness that they show in these close games. That all is translatable, and it, and it has translated for the past couple of years. But this team ultimately has a long track record of success, especially Super Bowl success. So we're not going to grade them on the same curve that we would the Jets or you know, even a team like the Jaguars mm-hmm. who we lost to who don't have that pedigree, right? They them going five and three with the same type of way that we're doing it would be viewed as a positive because it would show growth in their area of being able to you know maintain their composure and to be tough and all that stuff. That's not the standard here. And Tomlin always says, you know, the standard is the standard. The standard lately has not been what we want it to be, right? And that's that's what ultimately sucks so much is yeah, this team is five and three. Yeah, they're probably going to make the playoffs the way things are going. Are they going to be able to compete with a team that actually has the firepower? which we've seen against certain teams, even a team like the Texans who aren't in the playoff race currently, but just showed just how much firepower they have last week with CJ Stroud against the Buccaneers. It's going to be hard to catch a team. Like you have to catch them on a bad day. A lot of the teams that we are worried about, they're not just going to straight up beat. You're going to have to need them to have an off day. You're going to have to play your best game. And it's just tough to ask for that in the playoffs. And and we've seen it the past couple of years. It's why we haven't won a playoff game in quite some time. And it just feels like we're kind of in that same rhythm right now and until something major changes. And I think it would take, unfortunately, losing a lot of these games, right? You would have to, instead of winning these one scores, mm-hmm. you'd have to be losing them. Because they continue to win them almost just because of the way that they're built, it, it gives them this idea that, okay, maybe we can just add a few things and we're good. Maybe we can just make a few tweaks. It's like you are not close in that regard. Like there's a lot of things that need to change just from a mentality standpoint too. And I don't know if that'll change without some losing happen. Yeah. And Shane, the word that I've used to describe them really since the end of the 2018 season is naive. Like I I think that that, that Mike Tomlin and the Rooney's are flat out naive in a lot of ways by believing that this is a Super Bowl roster, that this is a team that can get to the Super Bowl right now. And again, I don't, I don't mean to come off as super negative here. I I try to, I try to, we try towards the realistic side of things because I want to, I want to evaluate the team as objectively as possible and compare it to 31 other NFL teams. And when I do that, the results aren't very good. Yes. The five and three record is good. 
a record is not everything though. I mean, there are teams, there are, there are teams that sit just above 500, uh, that are good teams. And there, there are teams that have worse records that are better than what they look. I mean, the record, it, it's a, it's a piece of the pie. If we we're to look at everything as like a, a pie, then the, the record is obviously a big slice of that, but what's everything else in there? Like what is getting you to this point? How good of a team are you? It's why we have advanced stats like DVOA and EPA to show how effective a team has been because raw numbers can lie. And I, I actually just wrote a number or an article uh, on that hasn't been published yet. Uh, basically talking about how stewards, yes, they are 31st uh, when it comes to yards allowed on defense, but there's two sides to everything, right? Because the Steelers are also 30th in time of possession. And when their offense is going three and out, three and out, punt, 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 your defense is going to be on the field more. So by yeah. default, you're going to give up yards. So we have to try to get great things as objectively as possible. Uh, but I, I use the word naive just because I, I feel like when the standard is, we can see these teams like the Chiefs or the Eagles or the 49ers, those teams at the top of the league, mm -hmm. you are quite a bit below that. Like if we're being honest with ourselves right now, it's not to say the Steelers can't win a Super Bowl. It's just very unlikely uh, given their, their their current circumstances. And if they get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But like you said, we talked about them being lucky as it is. How lucky would you have to be to win essentially four games in a row to become Super Bowl champions against the best teams in the league? I just don't see it happening at this point. Yeah, and again, if we're not built to win those games, and you know, there's been comments before about like I know that it was taken out of context a little bit, but the Matt Canada quote about we're not built to come back and stuff like that, and like that conversation, mm -hmm. and like even if that was taken out of context, he's kind of right. I mean, we can come back from a score, right? It's pretty much the only way we win games, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show. But it, we're not built to be able to handle the NFL as it currently is on a regular basis, right? And I understand, like Tomlin and I, I talked about this in the in the big article I did on Still Curtain about you know all the issues with this team and why they're broken and everything. It, it the, what it comes down to is I think Tomlin looked at what happened in the in the mid 2010s when Ben was going off and, and the Killer Bees were dominating the league offensively, and they weren't still having the success in the playoffs. And I think he kind of got spooked by the idea of okay, I need to have this be a defensive first team because I can't let my offense dictate whether or not we win because they could go cold or injuries can happen, all this stuff. And I, I understand that to a certain degree, but he's overcorrected, I think. I think he's gone too far in the other direction of let's be conservative, let's let's run the football, let's try to score 20 points and let the defense go win the game. And there's a balance that is missing from this team. And I think that's the yeah. key thing. If Tomlin's going to recapture some of the Super Bowl success, especially, or just the deep playoff success that he's had, it has to come with a level of balance of finding the right mix of, okay, we want to have explosive plays on offense. We want to be able to generate more of those, but let's continue to take care of the football, right? Let's not do unnecessary things. Let's still lean on the run game when we can. It's just, it feels like they're not finding that middle ground, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So again, we'll 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 move on to some other topics here, but unfortunately, the first, the next one here is very unfortunate. Again, Cole Hol uh, Holcomb tears his ACL. How will it affect the Steelers' season? He he was playing relatively well. I mean, we we've gotten used to pretty bad middle linebacker play over the past couple of years. So having a guy that was pretty steady in the middle alongside Quan Alexander and Atlanta Roberts, those three were really kind of getting them back to that floor, right? Of like, okay, we can yeah. have good middle linebacker play, off ball linebacker play. Him going down, I mean, Alexander did make the big play at the end of the game to, to seal the game with the mm -hmm. interception. He's a good player still. Landon Roberts has his role. I do wonder, you know, can Alexander still be a three-down linebacker, you know, full-time? Because he's probably going to have to be with Holcomb out now. I like to think so, but he's he's not as steady as Holcomb was, I don't think. So, um, obviously, we're hoping Holcomb comes back full-time next year. We can get him back, and he can be in the middle again. But how do you think this is going to affect the, the defense moving forward here? It's a bigger injury than I think what fans realize. I, yeah. I, I think that they kind of look at the linebacking core and say, oh, we got three guys. Right. Holcomb was the most consistent of the yes. group and the best overall player. He was that true three down linebacker type. Yes. And we're hoping that Quan can maybe be that guy that steps into that role. But I mean, it's, it wasn't a high bar to clear, but Holcomb, I, I think, was truly on track to be the best linebacker the Steelers have had since. Ryan Chazier went yeah, down went with down. a career-ending injury. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, though, it's they they haven't had a lot of gems, obviously, <laughs> right. uh, during that time. Yeah. But I, I really think in a lot of ways, Holcomb is and has been what the Steelers wanted Devin Bush to be. The guy yes. that flies around the field, that makes tackles at and behind the line of scrimmage, 
with the run stuffing power, a little bit of coverage chops. Like he can do a lot of different things for this defense. He can run sideline to sideline. And I think he was doing really well in his role. Now I know that his grade was just average. Like didn't, didn't grade yeah. out as the best linebacker. I, from everything that I've seen, I went back and I have obviously watched these games two or three times each. Right. I would go back and watch And I see that the film uh, suggests that he was a lot better than, than the grade kind of gave him mm-hmm. credit for. He, he did a lot of things for this defense. And so I think that part definitely will be missed. I'll be interested to see, what they do from here, because really Quan is your only coverage linebacker at this point. Yeah. Now that not, not that Holcomb was a specialist in that area, but because of his athletic traits and uh, he, he had some ability there, Landon Roberts and Mark Robinson really are the, the, just the downhill thumping type buck linebackers. And so I think that they're going to have their role in the defense. I think they're going to make a lot of plays uh, in that regard. But it is a little bit concerning now. All of a sudden, you're very thin in terms of guys that can cover. What do you do? Like, do you go out and get a player? Obviously, the trade deadline is passed. You'd have to kind of pick from some some slim pickings uh, in the free agency pool right now. And so I'd have to kind of delve into that and see what's even available uh, for the Steelers. So I think that they will try to. My, my guess, Shane, is they will try to fill the void in-house. And if they're struggling there and if they find out that, yeah, these guys are a problem, they can't drop back in coverage, they can't do these type of things, uh, then maybe they go out and look for a guy. And I think the other answer might be, boy, maybe just run more dime at this point. And you keep Quan out there as your lone linebacker in obvious passing downs, and you just get another defensive back on the field. But the problem with that, Shane, is their defensive backs kind of stink this year outside of Porter and injured Minka right now. And so uh, it, it, they just don't really have the personnel to afford to lose a guy like Holcomb was really a stable presence, a guy that really never needed to come off the field. Uh, So I think that's That loss is going to be a little bit bigger than what a lot of fans anticipate. Yeah. I think the main problem here is if, if Quan doesn't step up and is able to be that third, the three down linebacker, that Holcomb's been play most of the snaps. If he's not able to handle that or, you know, God forbid he gets injured as well. Like, the linebacker core is not set up yeah. to deal with that. And I mean, Landon Roberts is a very good player for what he does. I think Mark Robinson has the chance to be a really good player, what he does as well. But like you said, neither of them are going to hang with anybody in coverage right now. Most likely Robinson has more athleticism to do that, but I don't think he's ready to handle that responsibility. If he was, I think we'd be seeing him more honestly. Um, and and mm-hmm. honestly, I, I wonder if, especially once Mink is back, does Keanu Neal start to play more legit linebacker because he did not look great as a safety admittedly. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe he could handle those coverage assignments a little bit better, at least better than a Mark Robinson or Landon Roberts could, obviously. It, there's different things they can do, but I think you're right. I think they do it in-house, and then if they absolutely have to, they look on the, the market. But I don't really – I at least off the top of my head, I can't think of any linebackers on the market that would be any better. They'd probably be on a team if they could cover somebody. Uh, it, it, it's it's a tough situation. I, obviously, we're hoping Cole comes back you know, fully healthy next year, and you know, whoever might be his running mate, and we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of years. But – yeah, it's it's. I think people, like you said, they're not going to be. They're going to be surprised at how much it might affect them if if it affects them the way it could. And it's like I said, it's really going to come down to mm-hmm. Quan. How does he perform? I like to think he can at least keep a similar level of play in a full time role, but it is no guarantee. So, enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving forward here, so George Pickens, we need to talk about him because a lot of people have a lot to say about him. I, I did a show uh, last night where there's a lot of conversations about you know how much of this is on him, how much of it is on the way he's being used and how he's being portrayed, but we'll get into it. So George Pickens had admittedly a rough week on the field, negative one yards on five targets, uh, just the one catch. Could have had another catch definitely for a touchdown that we'll talk about a little bit too, um, but some stuff on social media going on, some things during the game. Does his attitude give cause for concern? Is it, is it er- too early to be concerned about how he's handling certain things in the NFL as now a second-year player? Yeah, look, Shane, there, there's a lot of people that no matter what the player does, yeah. they're going to side with the players. It's 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 mm-hmm. just part of being a sports it fan is. in it general. Is. Admittedly, yeah. Having said that, I, I'm very much a critic of the game in, in mm-hmm. doing this full-time. I try not to let these things slide. I also – I don't want to – I want to be fair because – I didn't haven't talked to Pickens personally. I don't right. know exactly what he was thinking in these moments. But when I do go back and watch the tape, when I see Deontay Johnson catch a touchdown for and end his 21 game yeah. streak without a touchdown, yep. and, and I instantly see Pickens drop his head and walk towards the sideline where Allen Robinson is running with his hands up, going over to congratulate Johnson. The body language does not check out. It does not meet my standards. And 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 I know that I mean. Tomlin can deal with it with whatever way he wants to deal with it. And I know he knows obviously way more than I do internally about this. He touched on it a little bit uh, yeah. in his press conference today, but I, I just judging by being on the outside, judging by Pickens, body language. I'm not a fan because I, at the very least, Shane, even if he's got good intentions, it's giving off very much the wrong impression. The way that he kind of just slunks his shoulders and hangs his head and when things aren't going well, he lets you see that vividly on the screen. And I kind of wish he just carried himself a little bit better. That might come with immaturity, being a 22 year old, whatever we, we can say, Oh, he's just a kid. These guys are adults still. I mean, and, and, and I was criticized a lot, Shane, when I, when I thought that the Steelers needed to kind of look to ship chase Claypool away in, in during the off season. And he gets in a, gets in a bar fight and has some of these issues uh, that were kind of stemming up to uh the Steelers going to trade him away. Not uh, obviously hit the play was part of it as well. Yeah. But I, I feel like we're, we're starting to see some of these things, some of the, some of these little ripple effects, nothing Antonio Brown, like obviously, but seeing these things happen in the past, it starts off slow and it, and it begins to grow like that, like a Dr. Seuss poem almost. But at some point you have to, you have to say like, when is enough enough? How much should he be allowed to show on the sideline? How much, I mean, if he goes and, and makes a, a uh, cryptic uh, Instagram story that, I mean, clearly looks like his frustration and free me has to do with the game and happened right after the game. So why would we think anything else of what he's thinking there? I want to know your thoughts on this, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. And and, and again, dealing with diva receivers in the past from Antonio to Claypool and, and we hope that Pickens is not going to be the next in line. He's a very talented guy. I'd hate for the Steelers to have to ship him away for half as much as he's worth because he can't keep his head screwed on straight. Uh, but what do you think about this? So I think it's, it, it goes both ways. So I think that the people who say that this is a disaster and that they're already writing him off are obviously overreacting. And I think people who think that mm-hmm. this is nothing are underreacting. I think that the, the, the main problem right now that I see, and I think you can go back to the way he was performing when Deontay was out. The offense was struggling, but for the most part, he was dominating his matchups. He was, when given opportunity, he was consistently winning, getting big plays, all that stuff. And he is that alpha type of receiver. That is what he's trying to do. You know that that's what he wants to do. He wants to perform. And every receiver is this way. But I think when Deontay came back, you know, he had the big game against the Rams. They both did really well. But Deontay has been the go-to guy since he's been back overall. Like he's gotten the most targets. He's, he's getting the most consistent separation. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think we all knew that that was going to be the case once he came back. It's just it's much easier and, and 
more consistent to throw Deontay the ball right now. And it's just because of the way they play. It's nothing against, you know, the way Pickens plays. It's nothing against his his abilities. But with this offense and how few and far between the chunk plays come even to him and how how hard it is to maintain drives, they need to target Deontay to get these seven, eight, nine yard plays, mm-hmm. occasionally the 10, 15, 20 yard plays that he's been able to make. So I think he's struggling with where like what is his identity in this offense? What's his role in this offense? And he's letting it blow over into his play on the field. I think it's part of the focus issue where he could have had the touchdown when we've seen him toe drag and do the crazy stuff on the sideline. That was an easy touchdown for him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I know that it nece- it wasn't necessarily the easiest play in the world for a receiver, but we have expectations for for Pickens at this point when it comes to that stuff. So he misses that. I'm sure he he's frustrated with himself over that. And then he has negative one yards in, in a game on primetime Thursday. He He's going to feel a lot of, of emotions there. But what he needs to get better at, and I think what, you know, why Tomlin said basically, I think his quote was like, it's like a pebble in my shoe, which of course that's what he said. That's classic. <laughs> he said. But I th- he understands like this guy wants to be very good. And a lot of his motivation for doing so and why he's acting this way is probably centered around his desire to perform. He can work with that. Right. Like he can work with a guy whose frustrations are coming from that perspective and not like, oh, I just, you know, I don't care what happens to the rest of them. I just, I want to be the best guy in the world. He can work with this. It's if he does, starts doing stuff off the field where he hasn't done that yet. If it starts where he does cause problems in the locker room where he's not, you know, helping his teammates out, which again, the Deontay thing, it's really disappointing for a guy that hasn't scored a touchdown and like it feels like forever, like said 21 mm-hmm. games. Last guy to throw him a touchdown was Ben that, to give people perspective <laughs> on that. It does suck that he didn't celebrate with him. I think that he – I hope that he regrets that, and I think that that's a moment that he would have liked to spend with his teammates. I want to see him grow into being that true X receiver for this team, the long-term number one. And he obviously has the talent. But I think it's fair, like you said, though, to start to wonder, is that something that's going to become an issue if he can't mature a little bit? And he is young. He's still an adult, like you said, though. You don't want to give a guy too much leeway there but I'm cautiously optimistic that his issues can be ironed out simply by getting this offense to a level where they both can play well. And we've already seen it with the Rams game. I don't know how often we'll see the rest of the year, but I think that that would really solve a lot of the issues. Yeah. I need the Steelers need to make, a, they need to find a way for these two receivers to coexist because they yes. are good compliments to each they other. They are. They're great the guy that can get open underneath and Pickens is obviously the, the contested catch guy, the back shoulder guy that can do all the things that, that Deontay can't do that way. They have to make it work with these guys and, and the Steelers. I mean, this is really like the, the trial run here. Like is yeah. Pickens going to be a guy that you can trust with a second contract? I think that's the question that's on everybody's mind right now. And, and we don't have to worry about that yet. That's not going to come until the following off season where the Steelers will probably have to make a choice there. Mm-hmm. But if we're not seeing, uh, maybe an attitude change, or if the attitude goes gets worse from here yeah. and it and it's, it becomes even more vivid that way, uh, then you'll really question how much money should you give this guy if it is about the stats, if it's not about the wins. And I, and again, yeah. I don't want to make assumptions here. Pickens right. could care far more about winning than than I'm currently giving him credit for. Uh, I just want to see that. I, w- I want to see that energy from him. And, and when his teammates do something positive, like I I want to see him like in on the action there. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a team sport. And, and those are the guys that you want. I know that Heinz Ward kind of called him out there and, and Heinz <laughs> yeah. is a different type of receiver. I mean, that he was, Heinz was not the talented guy, but he was, he was all for the team. He would put his oh, body yeah. on the line for the team. And so, uh, we, we just want to see those type of things from him. And, and I agree with you where we're, we're, we're going to give him some leeway here. Uh, but we do need to see, I think things need to kind of improve overall and the Steelers need to find that right balance between, all right, I'm going to give Deontay 14 targets in a game and Pickens five or whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, you got to, every team in the league deals with receivers who want the ball receivers in their mind, they're always open and yep. they always need the ball. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's the job of the offensive coordinator and, and the head coach to make sure that you are kind of distributing targets in a way that's it's going to keep everybody happy. Um, so I, I think that uh, if the Steelers can find a way to do that, these guys should be able to coexist together. Yeah, I mean, this should be one of the more dynamic duos in the league. And again, the Rams game showed that that is possible, where they both had big plays in that game that, that kind of helped lead them to win. And honestly, I think mm-hmm. one of the major issues is that Matt Cannon's offense just can't really support two big receivers yeah. at a time usually and not in between the pass attempt numbers most of the time and the way that they use the passing game like 
granted, this past game was a situation where, you know, Kenny has the ribs and you wonder if maybe that affected their game plan as far as throwing down the field mm-hmm. more, even though they don't do it as much. Yeah, the time of throw was the fastest it's been in picking yes, career. So that's worth exactly. noting as well. And I think that was purposeful. So I think you can expect that to get better moving forward as long as Kenny's feeling better. But again, I understand Pickens' frustration. Uh, he probably knows, like, man, me and Deontay could be a dynamic duo. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. But it might, for the rest of this year at least, and hopefully not in the future, it might have to be that way week to week, right? Like, maybe next this week yeah. coming up, he dominates his matchup or, you know, whatever. Because I do think, and this mm-hmm. some we'll talk about tomorrow, I assume Alexander's going to get Deontay because that makes more sense to me from just a matchup standpoint. So he could be dealing with – I forget. I think I yeah. the name of the other corner for them right now for some reason, but he should have an advantageous matchup against the Packers. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, let's talk about something that continues to get more and more publicity every week because it's the only way that he's able to win games. It feels like half the time. Uh, Kenny Pickett adds another game-winning drive to his resume. Can he translate it into better first-half success? Because at this point, we all know that fourth-quarter Kenny is essentially an entirely different player from first through. Th- you know, first quarter through third quarter for him. And a lot of it is the idea of like, okay, well, you need to make something happen now. They have to be a little bit more aggressive, all that stuff. Do you think that Kenny is one of those players that just needs to get into a rhythm throughout the game? And that's why a part of why the the play in the fourth quarter is so much better, or is it really mostly just a play calling thing or just a mentality thing? Because if it's a mentality Mm -hmm. thing, I would assume all you got to do is just play more of that style of football early in the game, right? Like Canada has asked to say, all right, let's just run some of this stuff right off the bat, see if we can get some quick scores. And they did start off mm-hmm. fast in that last game. But what do you think it is with him? Do you think he can actually translate this stuff into better first half success? Yeah, and it's hard to put a finger on it exactly. Like if you were to ask me in the first several games of the season, I would have said it's more of a Canada thing. Yes. These last few games, I think it's more of a picket thing where you're right. missing a George Pickens on a cross or you're missing Deontay on a comeback route. You sail the ball five yards over his head. Like those type of things, you have to make routine plays routinely if I'm used to use right. a, a Tomlinism myself. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing is like it's you look at those game splits, Shane, and you can go like on, on pro football reference and you can see the Steelers offense and their passing game in particular in their first half compared to the second half. It's night and day. I mean, you're talking about having like a, a 67 pass rating that goes all the way up to like a 93. I believe it's yeah. uh, in, in the fourth quarter. And so the, the difference is huge. You have to find a way to get that consistency throughout the game. And I just don't know. I just don't know if it's going to come this year, if at all. And, and I don't know why it's the case. It's like I said, it, it's hard to nail down, but this Kenny does seem to be good in the fourth quarter. Like that's the one thing that we know. Uh, and, and this is, this is the problem that, that bothers me with the game when he drives though. And I don't want to take anything away from Pickett. Pickett, right. Right. Pickett was clutch in these moments. There's no yes. denying that. And he might have that just kind of that clutch factor to his game at the same time in those seven game winning drives, Here's how many points the Steelers defense allowed in those games. Mm-hmm. 16, 17, 10, 13, 10, 17, 10. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like I said, it's on the backs of the defense. Now Pickett is doing what he needs to do in those moments, but the first three quarters of the game, it's not there. And so you have to get more consistency throughout because I think at the end of the day, these game winning drives aren't going to mean much if you can't have, you can't sustain success on offense. And if you don't have an actual offense going into the postseason, So uh, I think that uh, it, it needs to be better in the first half. Obviously, I don't know how to get it there. I think, I think it's truly a combination of the play calling, but in, like I said, in more recent weeks, I think it's kind of just been on the execution on Pickett's part. And that, that's kind of the frustrating thing is I do think you're right that the play calling has been less of an issue in the past few weeks. Now it's not, it's never going to be great with Canada. We know that, but I think there's been plays to make that haven't been getting made and you can yeah. start to say, okay, the offense isn't maximizing its potential anymore. Right. I think the first few weeks they were doing about as well as they could considering the situation. Mm-hmm. Now it is more of like, there's a level they can reach that is a little bit more palatable that they just haven't been able to execute with. And a lot of it, you know, obviously George has the missed touchdown, which sucks. And the running game is inconsistent. It was really good in this game overall, but still very hit or miss a lot of the time. But with Pickett especially, it feels like in the first half of games, he's not as accurate. He doesn't have the same accuracy as he does in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. He's not as comfortable in the pocket. Like all this stuff just feels like he has to kind of build up to it. And I just wonder, is it a situation where he isn't comfortable to start games and he needs to settle in? 
Is it the fact that the play calling is more conservative generally in the first half of games because they're trying to win that way? I, I just it's really hard for me. I think it's a combination of everything ultimately. Yeah. Right? I think it's I think it all ties together. But like you said, if Kenny is this guy where he has to basically be given the opportunity to have it be a one score game one way or the other in the fourth quarter to win, you're just you're just not going to win a lot of these games. Like and you have one relatively at a high mm-hmm. rate with him, but again, it's not going to translate to long-term success, nor is it going to translate to playoff success, right? That that's the main thing. And it's it kind of makes me think of a more exaggerated version of this was the Tim Tebow year with the Broncos. Yeah. Where every game he would go five for 17 the first three quarters <laughs> and then go like six for six for 120 yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and they win. Like it's obviously not that exaggerated. It's a little bit different, but there's a reason why they let him go directly after that. And when God paid Manning, cause they knew like, mm-hmm. we can't win like this. We can't expect him to complete four passes in the first three quarters every week and still win. And obviously with Kenny, it's, it's more of a, like we can't have our defense be the only reason we survive for three quarters and then hand the keys off to Kenny again. And it is kind of funny how consistent it is this year, especially where like, all right, if it's a one score game, I can just go to bed. They're going to win probably like that's just how they've done it this year. And it makes my heart want to explode. Of course, I'm sure other Steelers fans feel the same way. Like we just want to be able to breathe at the end of a game that isn't a blowout Mm -hmm. in the opposite way, but that's just how they win. And I I like to think the stuff that Kenny does in the fourth quarter is translatable to the first, second and third quarter because it's just still football. But they have to figure out a way to get him either more comfortable if that's the issue or if it's a play calling you know, conservative issue, they need to obviously improve on that in the offseason with whoever they bring in. All of that could help him. But I do think that the book is kind of out on him in one way for sure. And we, we talked about this in the still curtain chat as we like to do. I think the one thing you definitely know about Kenny Pickett at this point is that he probably isn't a guy that's going to be able to carry an offense on his back. Right? He's not going to be able to elevate an offense beyond what it really can or should do. And that's okay if you have a really good offensive coordinator, but we don't. So you, you kind of the only trait that he does have going for him, like he says, that clutch factor, which is great in the meantime, but you have to see more moving forward, I imagine. Yeah, and the problem with having a quarterback like that, Shane, though, is everything else has to be firing on all cylinders. Yes, like you've exactly. got to have talent across yeah. the board. You've got to have a good defense and a good run game. And so you you need so many pieces in order for that quarterback to work. Like if this is the, the Kenny Pickett that we're going to get for the rest of his career, I, you legitimately have to question whether it's going to be enough. And I think that mm-hmm. those, those thoughts are fair as when you go and watch this past week in, on, on Sunday, when, when uh, CJ Stroud goes off for 470 yards and five passing touchdowns. I mean that as a rookie halfway through his rookie season, he's got 14 touchdowns in one pick. He has more passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett does in his first year and a half. I mean, it, you go the week prior in week eight, you watch Will Levis sling the rock 28 times for four touchdowns or 29 times for four touchdowns and really nice throws. I mean, he's got some wicked, crazy arm talent. And so when Pickett is lacking some of these, these traits uh, that this, these other quarterbacks have, it's hard to overcome. Like if you're just going to be a baseline guy and you know that your offense is capped at a certain point, it's like, how much can you do without the right pieces in place? And so I think the rest of this year is going to be a huge test for him. Like he's got, in my mind, Shane, like how I would operate is if things don't take a significant fo- step forward, and I don't care if you end up with 10 wins or 12 wins, it, like if if you're still averaging 188 passing yards per game on offense and, and uh, one touchdown per game, like that is not enough for me. And you're, you're getting 16 points a game. And even that number is inflated because of the two defensive scores and the, the, the special team score that we saw this year. Like if those things don't uh, go up significantly, I would be looking to turn the page because you can't stick with this for so long that you're going to hurt yourself. Again, it goes back to that word naive. Like if the, if the Steelers are going to be naive enough to believe if Pickett does not improve from here to the rest of the season, Will that get the job done against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, now CJ Stroud and and Lamar Jackson and everything the AFC has to deal with when you're going toe to toe with guys that can put up 24 to 30 points a game and the Steelers can't struggle to get a 24 point game and they they really struggle to get a 30 point game. And I mean, offensively, it hasn't happened this year. And so that is the issue that we are having. Like you have to have the firepower are they capped with him like that? That's the question that I keep coming back to. And I need to see evidence that they're not by the end of the season. And I think the worst part about it, Tommy, and this is kind of the thing that I think is 
part of the Steelers' problem, as much as it's hard to complain about winning. They win too much despite all of this to ever take a quarterback that is significantly better than Pickett probably, right? And I think that that's where this all falls down to is he's going to be the starter next year and probably the year after minimum because they're going to probably find ways to win a lot of these games that they might – that maybe they shouldn't win, right? And part of it's because of the how Kenny plays in the fourth quarter and part of it's because of the defense and coaching and all the stuff. Like they are incapable of being bad enough, I think, to really justify or have the ability to go up and get one of these premier talented quarterbacks that they're comfortable with because yeah, you could take a flyer on some of these guys coming out in this class. There's some guys down the board who I think could be very good mm-hmm. or could be have a chance to succeed, but they're not going to be surefire like this guy's definitely better than Kenny Pickett, right? So drafting one of those guys, one, it could put pressure on Pickett in a negative way, and it ultimately might not mean anything because they might not be better than him, better than him anyway if they do supplant him. And then you kind of have to restart that clock again. So I, I think they're putting themselves in this really weird position where, yes, there's evidence to suggest that Pickett might not be the guy, but is there going to be a player at their spot in the first round or within range to go up and get that is definitely better than him and a better fit for what they want to do? probably not right and that that's that's where this all comes back to like maybe they could look at adding adding a veteran or something that maybe has a higher you know even floor than him or whatever it may be but ultimately they definitely need to find out more about him the rest of this year and i think that the, with the way the play calling has been recently if it stays at that level they should have the opportunity to at least know more if he actually can make good on some of the plays that he's been missing so i i agree there uh the last thing i want to talk about and you talked mm-hmm. about a little bit is something that can help him a little bit the run game came alive this past week. Can it be the Steelers' identity finally? Can they have an identity on offense that's actually sustainable? And obviously, they do it against a Titans team that isn't that great. You know, obviously, they're they're kind of struggling for the most part. Levis injected some life into them the week before, but they kind of come crashing back, uh, crashing back down to earth a little bit against us. But the running backs combined for 157 yards, 166 total yards of offense on the, on the ground for the Steelers in this game. Mm-hmm. Can this be something that finally, after they've shown flashes of it last year, the second half, and a couple games this year, can this be their identity with Warren and and Harris just kind of pounding the rock and getting some a couple explosive plays, including a 25-yard run and a 22-yard run? I mean, that was the goal for Tomlin back right. when they decided, like, we're going to run the football, we're going to play great defense. It's yeah. what led them to ultimately take a running back in the first round in, in 2021. And so right. – uh, I I don't know if they can do it consistently enough yet. I'm not quite right. there yet. Adding Broderick to the offensive line that's, is going to help a that's lot. That's the key. I'll talk about that. But so it, it because that you can just see the difference and 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 even with some of his first snaps coming on the right side since being in Pittsburgh, it, I mean he was good there still. Was, and I think that yeah. yes, the answer is to get him on the field. I don't know if that's the way to go because it's not like Dan Moore is a peach over there on the other side anyway. And I and pr- preferably like if I had my choice. I'd rather Broderick be the long-term left tackle. We'll see if this is a permanent thing or if it's just something that we're going to do this year for the for the rest of the season and kind of flip back to the other side or whatever the case may be. Broderick on the field helps. I, I mean, Jalen Warren is just a quality football player. I think he's just really well-rounded. And you get that guy a crease, like he's going to do a lot with it. I mean, Najee was solid. And so I, I think the, the competition does factor into here. Tennessee, it's not like they're a powerhouse or anything that way. If you start to do this consistently – then I think we've got a conversation here. Uh, the way it is right now, though, I, I got to see at least a few games of this success on the ground where, you're, where your run success rate is high and your yards per carry is up there and and you're you're destroying teams for 100-plus easily on the ground uh, before I'm willing to to kind of make a statement to say, yeah, this the run game is fixed. So uh, I want to see that continue to trend in the right direction, but so far, so good. Yeah, I think the key thing, and you, we, you talked about it, is Broderick Jones is in the lineup. And I think ultimately that's the thing that could lead them to getting this run game back to prominence and also staying there. Right. Because Mm. his ability as run blocker as a rookie even is pretty phenomenal. It just is like, he's a road grader offensive tackle and you're right. I would like him to be at left because I think that's where he's going to ultimately be long-term. But if he gets him on the field and Tomlin's okay with it or, you know, whatever the issue was there, why more came back in, so be it, right? I don't really care where you play him. As long as he's playing, getting snaps, and showing what he can do, which so far, every opportunity he's gotten, he has performed very well, at least admirably, if nothing else. So it's hard for me to think that this can't be the identity necessarily. And I, th- I think a big problem, too, is 
if they can't run the football consistently, the passing game is not consistent enough in the first half to move the football that way. It just isn't. I'd like it to be, but they haven't given us a reason to think that it will be. So until they show that, the run game has to kind of be the identity, like or at least that should be the main focus because that's something that can, assuming you can get the blocking figured out and Broderick Jones, like I said, can make a huge impact like he has so far. You can lean on that a little bit, right? Like it can be something that you go to and say, hey, you know, we're just going to run the ball the first two plays of every drive just to try to run it down their throats. And if it's successful, you can get away with that. And it also gives Kenny more opportunity on third down where you're not at third and nine, right? Third and eight. Like this, he's not at a point right now where he's able to make those plays consistently and he might never be. So getting into more favorable down the distance is the number one thing they can do to help him. And I think this game, they did that. I think overall, Kenny did struggle a little bit in the first half, but he figured it out. And I think that's really the big key moving forward. Yeah, the one thing that I want to add with that, Shane, though, is I do worry a little bit. I worry that that Tomlin's going to rely too much on the run game because right. we've got we've got evidence now that 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 shows that you can have a successful run game and still have a really crappy offense. Like I I, I yeah. worry that it's going to cap their their team. Not that it's I mean the ceiling's low as it is anyway. Yeah. But when you when you focus on running the ball and say I'm going to try to get in that third and manageable situation what's the max upside of your offense? Like it's it helps, it's going to help you in the time of possession. Like if you can run the ball and maybe in turn, just helping out your defense will give you the boost that you need. Uh, but points is what the Steelers need to do. They need to start being able to put up. And, and it's something that they just have not done consistently. I don't know if the run game is going to translate into more points. It could help in some other areas, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so we have a comment here. Uh, when the other team has zero fear or respect for your quarterback playing consistently well, there's no reason for them not to load the box. And yet you are correct about that for the most part, mm-hmm. I would say. Like loaded, they they face a lot of loaded boxes and they run into them a lot of the time. And especially on second down, they have the highest, I believe, or second highest run rate on second and long, which is yeah. maddening for a team that doesn't run the ball consistently well, right? Like it'd be one thing mm-hmm. if you were just great at running the ball and you're like, screw it, we'll just run it on second I believe down the anyway. lowest success rate exactly. on those runs. As well. Exactly. So it's like, it's really running into a brick wall for the sake of running into a brick wall which kind of encapsulates uh, Canada's entire time as an offense coordinator for here or for the Steelers. But still, that's what happens. And also, uh, Chooks, bench for being vocal about Kenny not being good. I haven't heard this. I did hear that he was not exactly uh, thrilled about a couple of things, and I guess that's part of why he was on the bench and he spoke out about some things. Didn't hear that it was that. I, I have a hard time thinking that Chooks would say that because that's pretty much a guaranteed way to not play you know, offense tackle for the Steelers anymore. But if that is what it was, then again, that's not something you say to to your team. Like that's that's a bad look. So if that's what he said, Shade, it uh, just seems yeah. bizarre to me that this is how Tomlin finally makes right. This it's pitch. it's never it's, it's not because Broderick normal. is better, or more talented than Dan Moore or Chukes. It's because Chukes ends up <laughs> saying something that Tomlin doesn't like. So it's just, I mean, yes, credit credit the Steelers for finally doing right. the right thing and getting your 14th overall pick on the field because he's just a better football player. But, I mean, the way that it came about was just kind of bizarre, I thought. Yeah, nothing is normal with this team, right? That, that's the one thing mm-hmm. that we can confidently say. We we don't know a whole lot because no, no one knows a lot about anything with this sport because every week something happens or like, that shouldn't have happened. The one thing we know is the Steelers can't do stuff normal. It's never like, oh, we play their best players because they're the better players or, oh, we won mm-hmm. a game because we actually tried to win with our offense or we tried. Like, it's never normal. It always has to be something weird or whatever and i'm kind of used to it at this point it doesn't even really bother me there's stuff that comes out every week where i'm like yeah mm-hmm. that, that sounds about right or someone will say something that only like four people understand i'm like yeah that's that's him you know whatever it it's just this team is something else man that's that's kind of yeah, how i mean or, this up, so. or with like dan moore getting his job back because he was injured even though broderick came in at left tackle and had an awesome game against the ravens and so right it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to what to what the fan base would like but. i think being a player's coach as great as it's been for tomlin i think he he kind of gets in his own way sometimes right and this can be our final thing we talk about before we head out but he to a fault he's loyal and i think that Overall, it's benefited him. I think it overall is a benefit to be loyal in a sport like this where relationships are so important. But if Dan Moore sucks, which let's just be honest, he's mostly sucked this year. Okay, We, we don't have to answer to, to anyone so we can say that. Why, why are you putting him in a position to go out there and just get beat? Why are you not telling him, hey, listen, you don't have it right now. We have a rookie who we drafted. You know this was going to happen right? You're not like, I'm sure Dan Moore is not stupid, right? 
he knew when they drafted him, one of the tackles, mm-hmm. probably him because of the position he plays, was going to lose his spot at some point. We're going to sit you down. You and Chooks can work out right tackle. We'll, we'll talk about that. But Broderick is going to be the left tackle because he's frankly better than you. I think that is more respectful, honestly, than letting a guy go out there and just get beat every play. But great, he's been better since he came back. I'm not saying he's a complete you know, liability. But – that's the type of stuff that I think he doesn't do that other coaches will do. And I think that is something that would benefit him at this point where he doesn't have this dominant roster that he used to have. He doesn't have a defense that he can just go up to the guys. And he's like, I just got to motivate these guys because they're already good enough as it is. I just got to give them that extra push. Right. And yeah, when you do that, when you combine a great defensive roster and a Mike Tomlin coach team, you get the, the you know late 2000s, early 2010 Steelers defenses that were ridiculous. But he doesn't have that quite anymore, right? He doesn't have the ability just to be like, I got to just push the right buttons and we're good. Now he does have to make big decisions about the roster, about who should play, who shouldn't play. And it's, I think that's one thing that has been missing from his tenure the past couple of years. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's 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 funny to see how things are panning out the way that they are. But uh, I think that, I mean, this is kind of what I've said all along, though, and you and I both you play the most talented players and I don't yes. care if you are a player's coach. I right. don't care what kind of relationship that Dan Moore and Chooks might be the best guys in the locker room. Levi Wallace might be the best guy in the locker room. Maybe He's not the best yeah. guy in the field. You can't <laughs> afford to play him in a billion dollar business. So, Yeah. I will say shout out Levi Wallace for actually having a pretty good game in yeah. snaps. He got, I, maybe he just needs to be, a maybe that's the, the key is just right? have him a limited role right. <laughs> instead like, of being out there all the time. He needs to use all his burst. He has left on the seven or eight <laughs> plays he gets in coverage, right? That maybe that's what it is, but Uh, That'll do it for us this week, folks. Uh, We will be back tomorrow to talk about the Packers game on our main Still Curtain live show, 1.30 p.m., so check that out. We should be doing the show moving forward every week, so I know we've missed a couple weeks here, but I like doing this one. It is a little bit more laid back, a little bit more fun to talk about the team this way. But so definitely check us out tomorrow. You can follow Tommy at Tommy Jagai on Twitter. You can follow me at Shane Kubis. Again, we make it real easy for you. We don't have any weird usernames, so that probably helps a little bit for you guys. <laughs> definitely follow us there, especially Tommy. He loves tweeting out different stats that, unfortunately, will probably make you sad most of the time. But it's still something so you know what's going on with the team. But he said you can check us out there. Just be here tomorrow, and we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.